I'm Anthony J. I uh, got a PhD from Boston University Medical School on the topic of cholesterol and sex hormones. And when I was doing that research, I realized there's a bunch of chemicals in our environment that act on our estrogen receptor. They act like estrogen in our bodies, but they're not estrogen. They're fake estrogens. And nobody was talking about them at the time. Um, some people were talking about BPA uh, 10 years ago or whatever. And, you know, phthalates, nobody had heard of phthalates, but they were a thing. I mean, people were studying them. And what you found, Derek, was like there was people that were experts on phthalates or people that were experts on just BPA or people that, people that were experts on just parabens or whatever. And all those people were saying, hey, phthalates are terrible. But that's all they were saying, right? They weren't going in and saying like all of these estrogen chemicals are terrible. And so I, I thought, well, I better write a book on this because I've got kids, come, you know, I, I was just starting to have kids and. I didn't want them to be exposed to a bunch of chemicals every day in our daily environments that were messing with their hormones. And that's, it kind of launched into this whole estrogeneration thing. Yeah, the, the book is fascinating and also pretty eye-opening and scary at the same time, just considering like how many of these chemicals are in our water and clothing. Mm -hmm. It's all these different things that we use daily, like sunscreen, for example, and yep. like, and how poor or how terribly these things can affect our health and yeah yeah and how, how illegal a lot of those chemicals are in different countries <laughs> and, the, and then you compare it the american regulations and there's no laws and by the way just a little side on that one of the problems with these chemicals derek because people are always saying well are they really toxic are they really that bad because they're government approved at this level or that level one of the problems with these chemicals that mess with your hormones is they don't look toxic on a on a toxicity test, right? When you do toxicology, the study of toxins, it doesn't kill cells like these chemicals, like BPA. Did you know BPA in the 1930s was literally developed as birth control? I had no idea. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. There's a guy named Edward Charles Dodds, D-O-D-D-S. He's the researcher. Um, he literally invented BPA from DES, diethylstilbestrol. And he created it for birth control. And then they found out it, it can be used to make plastics. And then they convinced everybody it doesn't leach and all this. And of course, it leaches like crazy. But they basically said the, the levels are safe. It doesn't hurt you. And that's what you find if you do a toxicity test with all of these chemicals we're going to talk about, like the sunscreen ones you're mentioning, they look safe because they don't kill the cells because the cells are like, hey, that's just estrogen. Right? So they're not toxic. So the scientists get a little bit tricked here. And that's unfortunate because they cause a lot of problems. They cause infertility, depression, uh, uh, low testosterone, huge men and women, by the way, low testosterone, uh, you know, just all kinds of weird issues. Uh, and, and it lasts a long time, right? These are slow burn. This is not like an immediate thing. And so it's hard to notice, but I mean, you see it, we're setting new records for infertility every year where, you know, people are depressed like crazy. You see infertility, you see low testosterone. They've, they've changed the normal range for testosterone over and over and over because people keep dropping. Puberty ages keep getting lower for girls on and on. Like these chemicals are having these massive impacts and people are waking up to it now. But when I wrote the book, nobody was paying attention. Yeah. Well, let's take a step back. Cause like all that is, is crazy interesting to me. But like, what exactly are estrogenics? Because I think people hear that and they just assume it's like, well, is this feminization of men? Is estrogen mm. bad? Is it good? But like, what are these chemicals? And then like, why is this an issue for both men and women? Yeah, estrogenics, even natural estrogen is estrogenic, meaning it's something that binds to the estrogen receptor in our body. So it can be floating around your bloodstream, but if their estrogen receptor grabs onto it, picks it up, that's estrogenic. And that's natural estrogen, which is totally fine. There's nothing wrong with natural estrogen. You need that. Men and women have natural estrogen. And ironically, Derek, men and women actually have very similar levels of estrogen. Men are about 20 and women are also about 20 nanograms per uh, liter, but women go up to about 200 depending on the time of the month. So it's of course different for women, but it's, it's not that far off. It's not like women are in the thousands and men are 10. You know what I mean? Um, so we have estrogen. That's totally fine. That's a good thing. It helps our, it, help, it helps our brain performance. It helps protect our arteries, arteries. There's a lot of benefits, but then these natural estrogens are disrupted by synthetic estrogens that are often made from petroleum or, or soy, right? I mean, soy, like there's certain plants that also have chemicals that act like estrogen in our bodies. So there's a lot of them in our environment, but that's the basic idea there. 
they're things that act on the estrogen receptor. <clears throat> okay. So then that, that's really interesting to me because I think people just assume that like men are just high T or just higher levels of testosterone all the time and women are strictly estrogen, but mm -hmm. both hormones are found in both genders, correct? Absolutely. In fact, perfect timing to talk about this. I just had a woman yesterday whose testosterone was pretty high. It wasn't obscenely high, but it was like 150, which is pretty high for a woman. And then on that same day, I was doing a DNA consult. I do genetic consulting with people with like 23 and me and stuff. And I was talking to a guy and his testosterone was lower than this woman. It was terrible. And he knew it was terrible. I mean, he had no sex drive, no energy, just felt like garbage. Uh, but you know, this is, it's a problem, obviously. And men are supposed to have, you know, like about 10 times more testosterone. Like women are usually about 50, men are usually about 500. Although both of those can, you can, you can get, you can get men up to a thousand, you know, but the point is, uh, yeah, the, we both have the hormones. They're important men and women. You see health ramifications in men and women, and they're different, you know, like with women, you see a lot more breast cancer, for example, when they're exposed to a lot of these chemicals. That's why breast cancer has increased 250% since 1980. With men, you see more things like prostate cancer increase uh, and low testosterone. It's interesting because it, for whatever reason, in, like, in our modern world, it's like everyone always talks about toxic masculinity and all these things. And it's like men having testosterone is bad. And I think it what was it James Cameron that came out saying that like, basically you just like get rid of testosterone which is doesn't make any sense yeah like, it's crazy yeah as far as like testosterone as far as testosterone goes though like it is kind of like a like obviously it's needed but it can also be like a motivator right for men and whereas if you have low testosterone you're not as motivated to go out and do like whatever things for sure in fact when they do brain studies on animals and they lower their testosterone they get apathetic and we see that in humans, you wouldn't want to do an extreme experiment on humans like this, but you see it in our culture. You just look around, people are pretty apathetic, men are pretty apathetic, and they're not that interested in defending their household and going out and fighting and in wars, which is fine. I don't, I don't want people to fight in wars necessarily, but, but it's apathy, right? I mean, the just general sense that you get from a lot of men these days, not everybody for sure. There's plenty of people that are doing unbelievable things with their health. The knowledge is out there. You can clean up your act and get rid of, rid of a lot of these chemicals, but there's a lot of apathy. And that's the, the brain trigger that you see when you're exposed to these chemicals. And then again, the blood test, you generally just track testosterone and see what that's doing. And that's a marker for how many, how many of these chemicals you're exposed to, how much damage these chemicals have done. Because people always ask me, Derek, they say like, what's the blood test? What can I do to see if I got these chemicals? And by the way, there's a company called Mosaic Diagnostics. I'm a big fan of this company. They have amazing heavy metal testing for hair tests, for example, and glyphosate tests for, uh, you know, for herbicides and pesticides and all kinds of different things. But they're coming out this year. The chief scientific officer told me recently at a conference, they're coming out with, uh, a blood test for phthalates and BPA and stuff like that, like a consumer blood test, which is, does not exist on the market. The only way that we've been able to do phthalate testing and BPA and all this in these scientific studies is it's very expensive. It's very technical. Certain labs can do it. Most people can't. Doctors can't, you know, write a script and have you check your blood for BPA, but it's going to happen very soon. So I'm glad about that. Yeah, that'll be fascinating because like, I don't, I've tried to limit my exposure, but I think you've said that basically everyone's exposed to it. There's almost like no one on the planet. Like, cause even the polar bears or whatever in the Arctic mm -hmm. are, have been like, they've been contaminated with these like, chemicals. Exactly. Right? Exactly. It's a problem. Yeah. It sounds like a huge problem. So where exactly are they found? Cause you mentioned that we're able to do like a test um, in the future. And then you're talking about um, like different fertilizers and stuff that contain them. Um, but I think a lot of people just assume it's like, oh, well, BPA or whatever is the only one, but it's like mm -hmm. way more involved than that, right? Yeah, for sure. And um, like Shauna Swan, she was on Joe Rogan's podcast and she, she talks a lot about phthalates and her expertise is just phthalates. So a lot of people have gotten the impression in the last year that plastics are the only thing to worry about and phthalates are the only thing, BPA and phthalates. That's a good way to look at it. I mean, at least you're doing something. But it's definitely not the whole picture. It's very, that's a very small piece of the pie. Um, so phthalates are a good thing to pay attention to. Plastics are a problem. The Consumer Reports study that just came out 
I did a YouTube video on it if people want to watch, but they found 79% of foods. So first of all, they tested 85 foods in the grocery store. This went around a standard American grocery stores. They tested 85 foods, 79% had BPA, not just phthalates, but freaking BPA, which everybody agrees is bad. Um, and then they said like, this is good news because in 2009, when they did this test, hundred percent of the foods had BPA. So they've gotten from hundred percent down to 79, which I think is terrible, but they thought it was actually a good, a good step. But then the phthalates, literally every, every food out of the 85, except one had phthalates. So obviously that's a problem. And, uh, and it's something to pay attention to liquids and plastics. There's a lot of leaching processed foods. Like they found in this uh, consumer report study, tons of phthalates, uh, fast food, fast food, you know, seed oils, all this again, liquids and plastics, oils and plastics, but, um, the phthalates aren't the only thing, you know, there's these oxybenzones and sunscreens, there's, uh, uh, like I said, soy is very pervasive, right? And in, on the topic of soy, a lot of people will try and convince you that it's good. Everybody agrees that estrogen, that soy acts like estrogen. Scientists all agree on that. Nobody's debating that, but some scientists will say it's good estrogen. Some people will say it's bad estrogen. My take on it is there's a lot of corruption in the scientific research on that topic. So it's hard to get to the bottom of it, but I think people are so saturated with plastics and BPA and phthalates and, and fragrance chemicals that we haven't even talked about and just on and on that when you do experiments with people and you give them soy, their body is so awash with estrogen chemicals. You don't see much of an impact. In other words, if you take just a standard American and you give them a little more soy, yeah, you're probably not going to have an impact on them immediately. Maybe you get more breast cancer 10 years later. Maybe you don't. But my my philosophy is like, let's get rid of all those plastic chemicals as much as we can. You're never going to get them all, but do as your best by filtering your drinking water and drinking out of glass, stainless steel, eating foods that aren't processed, hyper-processed foods are terrible anyways. Not just because of the chemicals, but because of all the blood sugar problems and the diabetes and the and the eating disorders that they trigger because they activate your opioid receptors and all this kind of stuff, right? Sugar acts on the cocaine center of your brain, gluten and dairy, the, the casein from dairy act on the opioid center of your brain, the heroin center of your brain. So you got to watch out for those kinds of things. But, um, but again, all, all else being equal, you know, you just, you're, you're kind of washed up. Most people are washed out with estrogen chemicals. And if you did a study really carefully designed with people that didn't have just their bodies just filled with estrogen chemicals, I think you would find a lot of problems with soy. So that's another one to think about. Um, and red food coloring and stuff like that. So there's a bunch of them, right? And I know, I know you read the book, so you're, you have a pretty good idea of what the, and we haven't even mentioned atrazine, right? And glyphosate <laughs> and, and herbicides. Yeah. Um, man, there's so many things we could talk about just right there. But let's let's go back to that um, study from the grocery store. Do you remember what the one food was that wasn't contaminated? And then, like, what other foods did they test? Was it all processed foods, or was it also like whole foods and like meats and things? No, they checked meat. They did standard hamburger meat, but it was in a plastic container, and the levels were there, but they weren't super high. I think it was like 500 nanograms, whereas fast food was like 30,000 nanograms. And almost all the different companies—McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King—all of these like 30,000, just as a relative comparison. But um, uh, the one food that didn't have phthalates was seltzer water, like that bubbly <laughs> CO2. It was polar raspberry lime or something. Just one of those polar, you know what I mean? Those CO2, the carbonated uh, zero calorie waters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't those have a plastic lining in the can though? They do, but you can make plastics without phthalates. Almost nobody's doing it, but apparently they are. So I was really pleased to see that they are. Trader Joe's, they didn't check any of Trader Joe's foods, but they have a policy where they at least don't allow bisphenols in those plastic linings. I don't know if they use phthalates, but there are some, there's companies that are aware of this. There's companies that use plastics that have absolutely zero estrogens in the plastics. It costs a little bit more to make them. So we can be hopeful. I mean, if, we, if we're paying attention to this, we can still have plastics for different things that have no estrogens, just almost nobody's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So like where other, or what other places are they found in? Cause we mentioned fertilizers, but then also um, I've heard they're in clothing as well. Like mm -hmm. can that be a problem? Can you absorb these chemicals oh, yeah, through sure. your skin? 
Yep. Yeah. They scientists have done dermal uptake studies, dermal dermal absorption. That just means skin absorption studies on a couple things. Number one, they do it with the fragrances. So laundry detergents that have a ton of fragrances, actually those fragrance chemicals end up in your bloodstream. They raise your blood levels, which is pretty shocking. I've done YouTube videos on that a long time ago. Uh, so I'm familiar with the data a little bit. And of course, a lot of times when you read these studies, Derek, you're going to find that the scientists will say, yes, they raise your blood levels, but it's not bad. In other words, it's not toxic. They'll say it's within the safety limits or something like that. And it's like, yeah, okay. Like I said, these things aren't really toxic. They're not killing your cells, but they're screwing up your hormones. So in my opinion, they're toxic. So it's a different definition of toxicity. You have to be careful for that when you read these studies, because they're almost always going to say like, yeah, it raises your blood levels of phthalates, but that's okay. That's their conclusion. You know what I mean? So that's one thing. And then not just the fragrances in laundry detergent, but there's other chemicals in laundry, in, in, in plastic clothing. I mean, literally polyester is plastic clothing, right? And polyester, everybody's familiar with polyester, nice and stretchy, nice and breathable, all this. The full word for polyester is polyethylene terra phthalate, right? And I mean, it's literally just phthalate clothing. It's just plastics made from phthalates. Why is it so cheap? Like if you buy a cotton blanket from your bed for your bed, it's like a hundred bucks. If you buy a polyester blanket, it's like 20 bucks. If, if, if it's super fancy, you know what I mean? Like the price is massive. The difference is massive. Why? Because they're making clothing and blankets and pillowcases and all this polyester crap out of petroleum. It's just more oil. It's just plastics. Um, so just be aware if people need to at least pay attention. I don't use polyester pillowcases, hundred percent cotton. I bring them with, that's one thing that I pack in my luggage. When I travel, I change the pillowcase at the hotels and whatnot. I just want to make sure it's cotton. I'm not breathing polyester all night long. I wear polyester occasionally. I'm not afraid of it, but I don't wear under underwear, like even under shirts, like this shirt uh, under uh, that I'm wearing right now, it's cotton, you know, my undershirt. Actually, the, both of them are, but whatever. And so that's where I pay attention to it because, again, it raises your blood levels a little bit. Is it bad for you? I think it is. There'll be people that argue that it's not. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like thinking about like specifically in the ultra running, um, like cycling community, just like <clears throat> sports in general, I guess. Like everything's made out of plastic. Like even when now I'm thinking about it, like in high school when I played soccer, like we just had like those plastic Gatorade like bottles <laughs> all the time, like on the sideline. And like as a kid, right. well, I never thought twice about it. And then like mm -hmm. all my, like my running bottles are made out of some sort of plastic. My, my cycling bottles are made out of some sort of plastic. All my, my athletic clothing for is some sort of plastic I'm assuming, or contains some sort of chemicals. Cause it's not all just like cotton or hemp or whatever. It's made and treated with things to be like moisture wicking or whatever, whatever. And like mm -hmm. anti-chafe. So I'm assuming that yeah. that could be a major problem if you're actively sweating and doing things that exactly. also ingesting or putting these things on your skin. Right. Exactly. Heat speeds up molecular motion. You absorb a lot more things when you are hot and you're, you know, if the clothing is hot. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pervasive. People need to pay attention to it. Silicone is good. I mean, silicone is a good alternative. That's lightweight because people say, well, I don't want a metal can on my bike because I'm racing and the metal is heavy. Totally. I get it. And by the way, maybe during your training, you use metal cans all the time. And then for one day, a race day, you switch to plastic, whatever, not a big deal, right? One day. But it's the daily stuff that really gets people. And uh, I have a bottle. It's it's a company called MODL Model. And I hope they're still around because it was a good company. Kind of overpriced. But the whole bottle is silicone. And it's got one of those camelback tubes that's all silicone. Because those camelback things, when I go hunting and when I'm doing outdoor stuff, you know, I like to have like a camelback thing where I can just drink water while I'm out walking or whatever. And they literally have this horrible plastic taste. I know exactly what's going on. You're just drinking phthalates. <laughs> Um, or BPA, probably both. And so I'm picky about this stuff. And and that's a, if you if you're a huge cyclist, you could rig up a model water bottle and then put that little Camelback thing right up on the handlebar, so you can just lean down and drink if you really want to. That's probably what I would do. But I don't. I'm not a racer. I don't know anything about that. But things like that, right? Like there's ways around it, especially during training days, during races. If you have to cheat and use plastic once in a while, rock on. Don't feel guilty about it, right? Yeah, no, that's interesting. So like whenever you have a bottle that tastes like plastic, that's because of the phthalates leaching into the water from the plastic? Most of the time, yeah. In fact, that even that new car smell is 
phthalates and, and it's oxybenzone. It's actually uh, sunscreen chemicals mixed with plastic chemicals. They, they, they don't want the, they don't want your dash to fade away because the sunshine or start cracking and getting sun damage. They literally put oxybenzone in there. There's actually studies on the off-gassing of the new car smell and all that stuff too. Um, and carpets are another thing that off-gas a lot. When you have new carpets, a lot of these polyester carpets, I get nylon carpets. Nylon is good. Nylon doesn't have these estrogenic chemicals. Sometimes they spray other chemicals on there that you have to watch out for and off-gas, but those are different than hormone disrupting chemicals. So um, carpets, shower curtains sometimes, right? Because there's a lot of heat when you're in the shower. And so there's off-gassing mattress cribs, especially for babies. A lot of those plastic cribs, because they don't want people, they don't want babies to like pee on the crib mattress and then it soaks up. So they make them all plasticky and they've done studies. I, I wrote about this in my book and they talk about how the off-gassing from baby mattresses is in the cancer causing levels that they're breathing in. Not just like, okay levels, actually even the government above the government safety limits which is obscenely high that's pretty insane it's like how is it even legal that you can basically just flood a baby which is developing at that point with these chemicals and even just like adults because if you're sleeping on these things you're wearing these clothings all day then you're mm -hmm. bathing in these chemicals like how is this legal and why is it not like why is nobody really pushing back against it yeah, it's a good question. I mean, m most of it's money and corruption in politics in America because the money kind of controls the politicians here in Europe. They have a lot of these chemicals. In fact, in China, the 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 laws surrounding uh, parabens are much stricter. Like like China has stricter regs, which should tell you something, right? Because <laughs> they're polluting the environment like crazy. But in terms of their human foods and things like that, they're 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 wide awake to a lot of this stuff. So why aren't we? It's a problem. I think the problem too, in America, especially is when they have outlawed BPA in 17 different states and things like that, like there's a lot of, at least for baby products. And then what companies do is they use BPS. So instead of bisphenol A, they use bisphenol A. They just do this shell game where instead of using this estrogen chemical, they just switch to that estrogen chemical. You know what I mean? So they're always one step ahead of people trying to make the laws because the people making laws are just so far behind on this stuff. It's kind of like the artificial intelligence, right? Like they're not, you, you watch these policymakers talk about AI or about computer software. They don't even know what they're talking about. Right? <laughs> and the same is true with a lot of the science stuff. Yeah, it's pretty funny to watch these older people talk about, like, say, the internet or social media or something. It's like they have no yeah. idea what they're talking about. And yeah, they're talking about know. like face page and stuff, and they're not even yeah. calling it Facebook. They don't even know what Facebook <laughs> is. They're like that face page is very dangerous. It's like, yeah, but... yeah dude, you've never used that before. <laughs> yeah, for uh, for all the varying opinions I have about like Zuckerberg and other people, it is kind of hilarious to watch these like, uh, what do they call them? Space in the name right now, and they do these like hearings or whatever. And oh, you can yeah. just tell the questions they ask you, like, you have no clue what you're talking about. It's, mm -hmm. it's interesting to say the least. <laughs> and it's true with chemicals too. And that's one of the problems with phthalates, like BPA, at least BPA people remember it's three letters, BPA. And if you make BPS, people remember that too. But phthalates is P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S. It's really hard to remember parabens, oxybenzone. Nobody's talking about oxybenzone, but that stuff is terrible for you. You know, they did a study after I published my book. Uh, with sunscreen and oxybenzone, just normal sunscreen. I mean, basically all the sunscreen in Walmart. And uh, they did one application of sunscreen. And seven days later, people's blood levels were still above the government safety limits for oxybenzone. The government safety limits, remember, this is like really high levels. Um, and CNN picked it up and a bunch of these news organizations, even standard you know, big media picked up the story on this. So a lot of companies have been switching over to avobenzone or some other benzene compound. Again, a shell game. Instead of BPA, now they're using BPS, right? Instead of oxybenzone, avobenzone, right? And they do this with blood testing and cholesterol and all this kind of stuff too. Like they used to say high cholesterol is bad. And then when people started to realize like, oh, the research doesn't really support that. I mean, if it's really, really high, it's bad. But if it's kind of like a little bit high, it's not really bad. So then they started saying, oh, LDL is the problem and high LDL. And then the research didn't support that. So instead they changed and they, now they say like, 
oh, it's LDL versus HDL ratio. And then when the research didn't support that, they started saying the particle size is all that matters. And then when that didn't get supported, then they started, now they're saying ApoB. They always do this shell game, right? When people catch up to it, they switch. And they're doing that with these estrogen chemicals. And it's a problem because again, a lot of it comes down to money. But then at some point you got to ask like, who's in charge, like who's putting these chemicals in intentionally when we know they act like estrogen, right? So there's some intentionality about it because the research is pretty clear. Um, especially because I've popularized this as much as I can. Like I've been on a lot of big name podcasts that have like Mike Munsell's video, the one that you said you watched before we got on the show, he, our video had half, it had 500,000 views, right? People are getting this information, but the question is why are they still putting this stuff in the sunscreens and playing these shell games in that case, if they know it's acting like estrogen and there's alternatives. It's not that much cheaper. It's like one penny per bottle of sunscreen to switch to something that's not estrogenic. I mean, come on, right? Yeah, it's a little frustrating as a consumer because it's like I, as I've been more like cognizant of these things, it's like, oh, well, this has that in it or this, this shampoo has that. This has that, this has that. And it's just like, then I'll be in the grocery store. I'm like, I can just smell people's like perfume or cologne mm -hmm. like, oh, great. or walk down like the soap aisle. And you're just flooded with that insane. Like maybe like one acute, a, a one acute exposure is not the worst thing in the world, but like you're in it all day, every day. It's like, mm -hmm. it adds up over yeah. time, right? Exactly. And, and I have no problem with essential oils and natural fragrances, but almost none of them are, right? They're all perverse petroleum-based chemicals that they trick your brain. I mean, that's one of the reasons people are attracted to phthalates, like that, pla that new car smell, that plasticky smell. It's, it's attractive to your brain your body thinks it's estrogen right your body thinks you're smelling in estrogens um so if so some people literally love that smell and they don't want to open up their car windows and clear out that like off gas that air you know just suck that air out of that car so they're just they're proud of that new car smell but yeah it's 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 perverse yeah, for years I put the little like new car scent, um, like the little Christmas tree air freshener things, mm -hmm, the pine mm -hmm. trees. I stuck those in my truck because I'm like, oh, they exactly. smell so good, and like I would just like double them up because it smelled so good. And once I got used to like the amount, I'd add another one because my like, god, oh, this smells amazing. And then at a certain point, it's like, is this actually good for me? Like I haven't done it in years, but it's like, man, like this is exactly. crazy how pervasive this stuff is, and how people for the most part don't think about it because it's just sold as a a normal item that's totally safe. Yeah. And, and, and then they talk about aromatherapy as if it's like good for you, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then, and then you get these candles and stuff that are literally just full of petroleum chemicals. Again, why do they use it? It's cheap, right? You can literally buy truckloads, like dump truckloads of this stuff for all, hardly any money. Of course, they're going to take that stuff and make candles and make scented products all over the place and make a ton of money off of it. It costs pennies. You pay dollars. That's where that, you know, that's where that stuff comes. And then you start getting essential oils and you got to do all this extraction. And if you do CO2 extraction, it's different than ethanol extraction and all this nuance and all this complicated, expensive stuff. So you got to pay more money. Nobody wants to do that. If, if you're wondering, by the way, if you're, if you're looking at a, I don't know, a deodorant and you're not sure, just go fragrance free. That's my suggestion for most people. Most personal care products should just be fragrance free. Um, that's a lot safer than wondering about the ingredients because in America, they don't have to tell you the ingredients on the label. They can hide that under the term fragrance. They just use the word fragrance and they can put all kinds of nonsense in your personal care stuff. Yeah. I've noticed that when I was looking at some shampoo the other day, it like had the 5 million ingredients and it said fragrance. And I was like, it oh, still has fragrance. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> well, you have all these chemical names for all these different things and you just have fragrance. It's like, what are you trying to hide under this? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. It should be illegal. That, that should be illegal too. Like the lack of transparency with those chemicals, but these companies get away with it because the government approves it. Right. They, if the government w would had stricter regs on that stuff, or just said like all of these chemicals that act like estrogen should not be allowed in our personal care then you could use the word fragrance and maybe it would be safer, but because all the government's just turning the other way on this stuff, it makes it even worse. Yeah, exactly. Like, it always just makes me think about the whole thing of like, no one's going to save you. It's like, you have to do the research for yourself. Like if mm -hmm. you want to be healthy, it's like, don't trust what the government is saying. If you want to be healthy, like, yeah. normal isn't good because normal nowadays is being obese and sick, like exactly. all these different things. So it's like, you have to take your health yeah. into your own hands. 
I know blood sugar is a good example of that. You know, they've, they've, they've increased to the normal range, meaning like if you get a 100 on your blood sugar, they tell you that's fine because everybody's getting a hundred these days and that's really high blood sugar. That's not good for your blood vessels. It's not good for your brain. It makes you tired. It spikes your insulin. And then sometimes your insulin spikes and then it crashes and then you get hypoglycemia where your blood sugar is too low because you ate too many simple sugars. You ate too much sugar. And then people are like, Oh, I need to eat more carbs. You know what I mean? Like it's all kinds of messy, but, um, and they do that with vitamin D, right? They've lowered the normal range for vitamin D because so few people are out in the sun. They just tell you that's normal. If that's super low, they've messed with the testosterone range. They've lowered that because so many people are low. You know, I know a guy down in Miami, he runs a testosterone replacement clinic and, and he's been doing this forever, right? Like 20, 30 years. He says 20 years ago, they had a policy at his company. He made a policy with the other co-owners where they didn't allow people under the age of 40 to do testosterone replacement therapy because they would get like one request per year from like a 30 year old man or something with low testosterone. But they just, it was just a policy just to be safe. We're not going to work with younger people, only people that are older struggling with low testosterone. Now, 80% of his clinic patients are under the age of 40 some of them in their twenties because there's so much low testosterone. Now you can't ignore it. It's just constant. It's, it's a huge, huge problem. Why? Well, because of all these chemicals, right? Lowering the testosterone. And sometimes you can rescue that. Sometimes you can't. Right. And he, we did videos like for his clinic. Um, I went, I flew down there and we had like a TV crew come in. Of course he's a doctor. So he like hired this fancy TV crew with all these people. They didn't make up. I had one of my kids with me. It was funny because I also took it as a fishing trip. It's like, okay, you're going to pay to bring me down there. I'm going to go fishing too in the yeah. ocean. So I, I went down and did that. So I took one of my kids with me and she was sitting there watching them put makeup on me, just like giggling the whole time. And I'm just trying to like talk on the, to the TV and not and just seeing her right behind the TV cameras, just giggling. It was distracting, but, um, but you can rescue your testosterone in some cases a lot, but in other cases, yeah, you just, you can't, you need the testosterone replacement. I have no problem with, with that if people need it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting from like, from an endurance sports perspective, like as far as I know, like a lot of men have lower testosterone that are doing endurance sports because they're not doing a lot of strength training, which is good for your testosterone levels as far as I understand. True. But then also yeah. like, it's just very common to, to eat a lot of processed crap all the time, processed foods, like mm -hmm. quote unquote sports nutrition is usually just sugar. Um, a lot of sunscreen applications, these like polyester clothing, all these different things. So it seems like it's almost like a perfect storm of just like anything you can do to drop your or to ruin your hormone levels is happening in endurance sports. Good point. It's, and, and again, like you said, people kind of get away with it more because their metabolism is higher, like they're exercising a lot. Um, but, but that does, that's not a good enough reason, right? Like, by the way, the more you exercise, the more blood you move through your liver. So the more you do detox stuff, the more you sweat, the more you get the stuff out of your system. And of course, these people are burning crazy numbers of calories. I remember Scott Jurek used to talk about this. And so did, uh, Dean Carnassus. They both talk about how they used to eat tons of junk food. Like after they would have a race, they'd eat tons of pizza and all this, or even before they would load up on all that stuff. And they kind of got away with it at younger ages. The problem is as you get older, your body is more sensitive to problems and shenanigans. Um, like our genetic risks are amplified with age. So like if you have perfect genes for heart disease, you can smoke cigarettes and do all kinds of terrible things to your body and you're still not going to get a heart attack, right? But most people don't have perfect genes. Most people have similar risk genes and, um, and they're different for different people. But like a good example, there's a gene called uh, SOD2. And it's superoxide dismutase. It's a tenfold higher risk of heart disease, but it's only a risk if your ferritin is really high on a blood test. Ferritin is another way of saying blood iron. So your your arteries are very sensitive to high iron in that case, right? Not most people, but again, in some cases. And like some people can eat tons of red meat and have tons of iron in their diet. It's awesome. It's good. Lots of energy. But then the people with this gene, if they have too much iron in their blood, it damages their arteries and they get heart disease. And you know what the doctor blames, right? He's going to blame cholesterol all day long. And the reason I bring up this example is age amplifies that risk. So in your 20s, you're, you can have really high ferritin. Yeah, it's it's risky for your arteries. It probably damages them a little bit, but it's not that big of a deal just because you're young. But as you get older, your body can't adapt quick enough. It can't heal fast enough. And it's not sustainable. 
So the goal, I think, for endurance athletes is to find something that works long-term, that's sustainable at age 20 and also at age 70. And the only way to do that is to have good hormones, right? And protect your hormones because your health is priceless, man. People don't pay attention to their health until they ruin it in most cases. And then they look back and they say, oh, what a disaster. I mean, read Dean Carnass's stuff about his younger years. Read Scott Jurek's stuff about his younger years. They all regret eating nonsense processed food, right? I mean, they both eat totally different types of diets, but they both regret eating just like complete garbage processed food. And we all know what that is. Everybody agrees that, that stuff is bad, like soda and things like that. You know, it's really crazy, Derek. Um, I used to work in Mayo Clinic, you know, before they started uh, forcing people to take the COVID vaccine. I quit over that whole thing, but um, they have soda fountains around every corner at the clinic and Mayo Clinic, supposedly the world's, you know, the, the number one hospital in the whole world um soda fountains right everybody agrees there's actual scientists that say hey you know drinking soda drinking pop is the new smoking it's that bad for your health and everybody knows it's terrible for your health diabetes is through the roof the, the average american is unhealthy 44 percent of people are obese right now in america not just overweight not just a little overweight straight up obese and they got soda fountains around every corner, right? They're not really interested in optimizing your health in these medical institutions. For the most part, they're just waiting until you're sick. And then they're trying to figure out how they can fix that or do something about it. That's not the approach that's going to get you to, you know, to a high level of endurance athleticism or protect your joints or protect your brain performance on and on and on, you know, you really have to take matters into your own hands on this. And I know we've mentioned that already, but People have to take responsibility for their own health. They have to, you know, knowledge is power. You don't want to stick your head in the sand. It's not ignorance is bliss. Bliss, you know, it, bliss is somebody without joint pain. The only way to protect your joints and to protect your energy is to have a lot of knowledge on this stuff. Because again, ultimately it comes down to individual responsibility. And that's a challenge in our culture. Yeah, exactly. And you're, when you're talking about the clinic, like having soda and stuff available there, just like with the soda fountains and everything, which is just crazy to me. That's a thing like hospitals and me too. any like PT places just selling sugar crap all day and like sponsored by Coke or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the other day I made a post about, um, just about eating real food, like versus just processed stuff, like just to get an overall base level of health, like just eat real food and avoid processed crap. Yep. And I had a bunch of comments saying that like no dietitian or no RD or whatever, or sports nutritionist is saying eat processed foods. I'm like, I can name multiple off the top of my head right now that are promoting eating pop tarts before a run, drinking yeah. soda, because like they're looking at it just simply from like an energy perspective of like, okay, go eat some fig Newtons because you need to go for a run. Calorie numbers. Yeah. They just care about the calorie numbers. In fact, the gym at Mayo Clinic, um, it's called the Dalk, D-A-H-L-C, but it was it was sponsored it was given to the mayo clinic by the guy who invented slim fast and if you look at the the ingredient of slim fast especially back in the day when he used to make a shit ton of money on it the number one ingredient is high fructose corn syrup you just it's just it's basically just soda with a bunch of vitamins in it so it, so it's 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 promoted by the medical industry like the dietitians are trained to give people that kind of stuff and they think a calorie is a calorie derek you know what's really crazy and i wrote about this study in my book they they did a study with two groups of rats and they gave them the exact same calories. The nice thing about rats, I mean, people complain about animal studies, but people cheat on their diet. If you try and do a human study with diet, people, they say they eat certain things and then they don't, right? At midnight, they're getting up and eating ice cream. But with rats, there's no cheating. So they had two groups, exact same calorie, exact same exercise wheels, the whole thing, everything was the same. And... The only difference was one group they gave them a low dose atrazine in their drinking water and atrazine acts like estrogen in your body. It screws up your testosterone and it's a very, very common herbicide in North America, right? That they spray it on. It's the second most used herbicide after glyphosate. They spray it on grains and things. So they put atrazine in the drinking water and they emphasize that it was low dose atrazine because that's relevant to what most people are getting exposed to in our modern society. That group of rats got fat and the other group was totally normal. Just lean group of rats, same, same exact calories, right? And so these dietitians, and again, it's not their fault because they're trained to tell you 
a calorie is a calorie. We just need to count calories. If you're overweight, it's your fault because you're not counting calories. You're cheating, whatever. If your hormones are screwed up, calories are out the window because you can eat the same amount of calories. And now all of a sudden you're gaining weight. And a lot of people know this, especially postmenopausal women, because they have experienced good hormones and their hormones dropping off a cliff. And now all of a sudden they're gaining weight and they know like, Hey, I, I'm eating the same amount of calories I was a few years ago. And now I'm gaining tons of weight and they're not cheating and they're being honest, but the dietitians don't believe them. And they blame, they blame them. They, they put it, you know, they, they don't blame the hormones where, where they should put the blame. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's a, it's totally wild, like how prevalent these things are and how, how much they affect our hormones. And then also most people just don't think twice about it. And maybe it's just because of this ignorance. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just people are thinking about other things that maybe impact them acutely, maybe versus like over the long term. But like with these things being so prevalent, like how do we improve our resistance to them? Because no matter what, we're going to be exposed to them to some extent, right? Yeah, I, I think people need to sweat. Um, sweating, they've done, and if you can Google this at home, it's called BUS studies, B-U-S, blood, urine, and sweat. But if you just Google BUS study phthalates, BUS study BPA, you're going to find studies like they literally have people go into a sauna and then they measure like their sweat content of BPA and their urine content and how much is in their blood in these studies, these bus studies. And you actually sweat more BPA and more phthalates and more of these chemicals than you urine out, urinate out. Like you literally sweat them out more than you piss them out. Um, so I'm a huge fan of sweating, whether you have to use a sauna to get up a good sweat or you have to go jogging and, and with more clothing on than you're doing, or you have to live in Arizona, like you do or whatever, <laughs> whatever it takes, man. Like sweating is good. Movement is good too, because you're just moving more blood through your body. Um, obviously avoiding the chemicals to begin with really helps, right? Like people are making coffee in plastic coffee makers and plastic tubes everywhere do pour overs you know like do cold press and then reheat the cold press that's what i do um you know uh watch out for you know oils if you're buying olive oil awesome it's probably good for you but make sure it's in glass don't get it in those plastic containers you know like be real strict about this stuff in the ways that you can and then you don't have to sweat out as many chemicals because you just don't have as many to begin with um and unfortunately, there's not a lot of like supplements and pills and stuff that you can do to get rid of the stuff in your system. It's mostly just sweating. Yeah, like he's thinking of like like eating and supplementation and stuff. Like I don't remember if it, were, if it was you or someone else, but they're talking about the omega three to omega six ratio. Does that play mm -hmm. a factor in like helping to kind of clean these things out? Yeah, and I think I wrote about that in my book. Um, and you know, I'm not a fan. You know, it's funny. I've I've been doing YouTube shorts lately. Uh, and I was researching a video that I'm working on, on the old person smell. And it's a real thing, Derek, it sounds ridiculous, but the old person smell is an actual chemical that they discovered. So, and most people know what I'm talking about, but it's called 2-nonanol. It's a weird name, but it's just a chemi chemical that your body makes. And it's only found in people above age 40. You literally can't find it in people below age 40. And then in some people above age 40, they don't have this chemical. Their body doesn't make it. And some people they do. And it smells weird. And what's interesting about 2-nonanol is, um, number one, the medical industry uses that chemical in blood tests to see if your organs are slowly falling apart. So it's not a good thing. It, it's kind of an indicator that your body's just degrading and breaking down, right? So if you have lots of 2-nonanol, it's not a good thing. But number two, seed oils are like, that's where you find a lot of 2-nonanol um, from oils that are highly oxidized and like even when they don't cook them and heat them they have two nonanol whereas animal fats do not have that compound so basically the more seed oils you get the more you're disposing yourself with those omega-6 and the two nonanols and all the oxidation and all the, the chemicals they use to process that stuff you're disposing yourself more towards that direction where your organs are falling apart, your body's falling apart, right? And that includes getting rid of these estrogen chemicals. Your body can't clear them out because it's all choked up with all this nonsense. That's so crazy because, like, I don't know, I've always just thought of, like, the old people smell is just like, well, when you get old, do you, you just, for whatever reason, you smell that way. I never thought more about it than that, but that's pretty fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I like to do with the, the little shorts that I try and do is find something that people sort of know, but they don't think about and make it, try and make it interesting and put it together in one minute.
It's hard to do. <laughs> oh, it's super hard. But I definitely click on that though, because I'd be scrolling and be like, yeah. "Oh, old people yeah. smell old like what's that?" Exactly. <laughs> well, I think as we kind of wrap up here, um, let's talk about like in your book, you talk about the different like level, like gold, bronze, silver level plans to kind of like avoid or eliminate these chemicals. So like, what would be like specifically for, for people who want to excel in sports, like what would be the gold level plan for you? Is it come to like filtering water, avoiding these chemicals or, or yeah. Exactly. Filtering water was right at the top of my list. Um, you have to do it. And by the way, most filters have activated charcoal. That's the activated charcoal works. It gets rid of these chemicals. You know, if your filter has that, even if it's a cheap filter, that's like a flip up filter on your sink. It's got activated charcoal most of the time. Make sure it does double check it, but it's, and they call it carbon sometimes, which isn't really what it's, but it's the same thing. Um, so activated charcoal filters, carbon filters are great. Um, again, coffee, watch out for those hot liquids in plastics, just across the board. I'm not even a fan of you know, soda cans and things, even if it's just carbonated water, except apparently polar raspberry lime or whatever that one was. But most of the time, those plastic soda cans, those aluminum soda cans are lined with plastic on the inside, just like paper cups. It's not really aluminum. It's actually plastic. It's not really paper. It's actually plastic. So watch out for that. Again, if you're being really particular carpets in your house, things like that, if you happen to have polyester carpet just run an air purifier you know there's a really good one i link on my website i have a website called aj consulting company and i just list a bunch of products that i really like i have zero stock in those companies or affiliation with companies i just like the products i put them on my website for people that includes like your soaps pay attention to those again fragrance free laundry detergents uh you know deodorants um on and on i mean you know just general principles like that. And again, if you happen to have stuff like that in your house, it's inevitable. You're not going to tear your carpets out. Maybe in the future you might long, long term, but for right now, just get that air filter and just flush that stuff out of your air, you know, and just keep it running. It's not an allergen. It's not going to create, you know, like a runny nose that you notice, but it's going to slowly break down your hormones. So things like that. Uh, what else? Sunshine is good. You know, people underestimate the importance of sunshine, sunshine, you know, if you have tattoos and you go out in the sun a lot and you don't put sunscreen on the tattoos, the ink fades away, right? And that's because sunshine breaks ink down. It breaks it into smaller particles. Your body clears it out. The same thing happens if you have a bunch of plastic aggregates in your body, chunks of plastic, BPA or parabens or red 40 or whatever nonsense. You go out in the sun, it helps break that stuff down. It's a form of detox. It's it sounds kind of silly, like, oh, sunshine detoxes your body, but it's actually true. Like, I have no problem saying it like that because that's exactly what happens. So get your shirt off, get out in the sun, get a lot of skin exposed to the sunshine. It's not just the heat and the sweating. It's also the sunshine. Um, I don't know. You, can you think of any other ones that are real important off the top of your head? Soy beans, avoid soy. Yeah, soy. I, I recommend that. I'd say like, as far as like sports goes, like at Western States 100, for example, like everybody's putting on heavy amounts of sunscreen because it's mm. a hot, like exposed good race. Point. Good point. So yeah, use like... zinc sunscreen. There's good sunscreens. Just make sure it's got zinc and you're good. I mean, remember some, some people supplement zinc. If some gets into your body, rock on. It's probably a good thing. Uh, if the sunscreen has ingredients that you can read, like coconut oil or something, and then zinc, 20% zinc, usually it's got to be about 20% zinc if you want it to work really good. And yeah, it might whiten your skin a little bit. Who cares? Rub it in. You know, like put some water on your hands and then rub it in. It rubs in a little easier if you wet your hands first. But if it looks weird, who cares? It's your health. Your health matters more than having a little bit of white on your skin. But there's good ones that don't look super white too. Good point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think too, like just the seed oil thing is like super important because like in so many nutritional products, like there's always this like canola oil, which is just rapeseed yep. oil essentially. Yep. But Exactly. But yeah, like these things are just so prevalent. I noticed I was at um, at a store called Natural Grocers the other day, and they had some, I think it was Honey Stinger or some brand like that that makes these like waffles that you can take on runs and rides. And <laughs> they had cottonseed oil or something in them. And then most yeah. chips are going to have these in it as well. And it's like, yep, it's yep. They're saturated. Yeah. It's soaked. I mean, corn chips, potato chips, they're soaked in seed oils. You know, like when you get off seed oils, like I don't eat that stuff anymore. But occasionally I do, right? I'm not perfect. I definitely cheat. And when I do, it's kind of gross. Like you taste the seed oils a lot more. The further away from them you get, the more you stay off of them, the more you taste them when you go back on them. It's like, wow, this really tastes like industrial waste oil. Did you know, like, and you probably know this, Derek, but the first seed oil that was invented was cotton seed oil. And 
it was actually made for cows. Like they were, they just had a whole bunch of industrial waste from the cotton plants, the cotton gin, and they wanted to use the seeds for something. So they made oil out of it and they tried to give it to the cows, but the cows wouldn't eat it because it's just stinks. You know, it smells so rotten. And then they learned how to deodorize it with all these fancy chemistry equations and things. And then the cows still won't eat it because it still stinks because their nose is a lot more sensitive. And then they learned that humans can't smell like our noses are so bad that we think it's totally fine. So then they marketed it as Crisco and they told everybody Crisco is way better than animal fats and all this. And they still do this today. It's crazy. It's like they're using the same marketing campaigns they used in like the 1920s. And people are still going for it because a couple of professional dietitians tell you a calorie is a calorie or whatever. Exactly. And I think I was reading somewhere too that um, that some animals did eat the like the extra seeds and stuff. I think when it was just in the seed form and they died because mm-hmm. it was so toxic. They're eating so much mm-hmm. of that product that it killed them, which is yeah. crazy that then it was then made into a quote unquote food product. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's a messy history of those seed oils and it's it's still not good for people. Um it's unfortunate, man. They used to, I, I grew up in Western Minnesota in farm country, you know, and I homeschooled and I used to go hunting all the time and I worked on farms and, um, there used to never be canola fields around and now they're everywhere up here in this part of the country. Why? Because they make a ton of money on it and they put that oil into everything and it's gotten worse. It's not getting better. Yeah. And it's really sad. And it doesn't help the government subsidizing all this stuff, which makes mm-hmm. it cheap. And then it's just like, from a business perspective, it's like, yeah, why would I use anything else if I can save tons yep. of dollars doing this i'm gonna do that exactly the subsidies um, are just terrible yeah yeah yep. another topic for another day though that's for sure mm-hmm. yeah man <laughs> well anthony thanks for taking the time to to chat um you mentioned your website and your book and stuff do you want to shout that stuff out so people can find it yeah ajconsultingcompany.com you can find my book on there but also on amazon and other places Esther generation is my book Cool. And it's, it's super fascinating, honestly. And it really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Like, like you mentioned briefly, like food coloring, I think it was red, was it red number 40, 40. or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, these <laughs> things I'd never thought about. I'm like, oh, they're probably bad for you, but I had no idea that they were estrogenic and like really bad for your health. Yeah. And they put them in soaps sometimes in places where you wouldn't expect them, like farm raised salmon. They put it red 40 <laughs> in there to make it look pink because it's totally gray when they you know, it's when gross. they process the salmon. So, yeah, it's sneaky. disgusting. I know, man. That stuff is everywhere. <laughs> read the book. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, if people are curious about this, definitely read the book because it's, it's eye-opening and you'll learn a lot. Thanks, Derek. Um, Appreciate it, man. Thanks yeah, for having well, me. Too. Yeah, thanks for your time, and uh, we'll have to talk again soon. Mm-hmm. All right. Take care.